Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. back to horror queers it's a little bit different and i'm joe <laughs> and i'm trace and well y'all honestly we're just kind of having a party today we're, we're celebrating our 100 episode well not the 100th episode so that came out a couple days ago and hopefully y'all enjoyed our episode on cruising but we just thought we'd have kind of a fun little drinking party retrospective so if you don't have booze on hand please pause and go get it now if you are sober please Go get some water now. Um, <laughs> God. And have fun and drink with us as we kind of reminisce over the past 100 episodes of this podcast. Yeah, because we have hit triple digits, Trace. Like, when we started this back in January of 2019, I 100% was like, this is going to be fun. We'll see how it goes. Not sure if anybody's going to listen to it. And here we are a hundred episodes later. That's why I said I wanted to make a party. So hold on. Let me let me pour my wine. Oh, wait. Oh, God, is it that fucking slow thing it's, that you've It's the got? zombie pour. Folks, <laughs> we're going to be here all day. And also, anybody who had to pee, congratulations. Yeah, it's okay. We're going, we're going. Oh, you know what? I think it's like two swigs, so I'm good. <laughs> um, oh, my God. This is going to be disgusting. Next time, shots for you. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'll die. So, yeah, everyone. So, I don't know. We don't really have like a... Well, we do have a plan for this today, but we're just kind of here to talk about some previous episodes. We actually did ask a lot of y'all um, about your favorite memories, what y'all liked about the show. I guess it maybe comes across as a little self-serving, but you know what? Fuck it. It's 100 episodes, and we're really proud. <laughs> <laughs> we do put a certain amount of work in here, and yes, we are going to be self-congratulatory for this episode. We're also going to make it a bit of a clip show. So we did ask, um, we reached out on our socials, and especially in our Facebook group, which, by the way, is now 700-plus members strong. So thank you, everyone, who is a part of that. Um, we asked them for some, I mean, for favorite moments from past episodes. So we actually went and pulled a lot of clips. So this this episode or bonus mini so thing, I don't know however long it's going to be, um, is going to be kind of in a clip show format um, on top of some other fun surprises we have for y'all coming up. Indeed. So because it's a clip show, um, there will be spoilers from some of the movies that we have clips for. And I wanted to just kind of list those off in case you hadn't seen the films or listened to the episodes just so you don't come at us later and say, well, you really spoiled that for me, Trace and Joe. <laughs> uh, so if you have not seen or listened to these movies slash episodes, uh, we will have clips from them probably. Uh, we've got Ginger Snaps. We've got Seed of Chucky. We've got Midsummer, which is actually a Patreon episode. We've got The Descent. Zombievers. Oh, actually, no, that's not a spoiler. That's just a song. Um, <laughs> Hostel Part 2. The Rage Carry 2. Martyrs, What Keeps You Alive, Psycho 2, and there's a couple of episodes where, well, hey, we'll do Vamp, Urban Legends, Final Cut, Good Manners, Jason X, and Paranorman. Jesus so, Christ. <laughs> th those are actually really fast. That That's a special treat that's going to come up later, and I'm really excited for that. <laughs> okay. But Joe, okay, 
a hundred episodes, man. Did you think, well, I mean, I'm sure you thought we were going to get here, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of <laughs> anticipated that we would be doing this until we got old. I know. I always think about it. Like we were talking about before we got on the recording, we were like, oh, my God, like, we're, we're, we're going to run out of movies to talk about one day. And I was like, not really. Like, not really. No. <laughs> we may run out of queer movies, but there's no shortage right. of movies that we can make queer. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Insert that clip here. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, um, I'm really, like, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, this is kind of an extension of our speed dating episodes where it's more casual and shit. But, you know, this is a momentous occasion. And I, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't think that we would get to this point, but it feels very surreal, especially with where the world is now with COVID. We're finally past this election, maybe, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's been, um, it's been a journey. Yeah, I mean, as people know, we started as an editorial series, and that took a year to then merge and move into a podcast. And then we've had, you know, hiccups and bumps and interesting detours along the way. Like, we didn't start with socials for forever, because neither one of us wanted to take on the workload. So I remember for the longest time, we were always just asking people to follow us and then use the hashtag horror queers until we finally got off our asses uh you know actually i'm gonna i'm gonna throw some credit your way so listeners even though like on the social it says like you know tweets and posts by joe and trace joe really does do 90 percent of that like i'll pop in and like reply to someone every now and then but most of the scheduling the promos like the random celebrity birthdays that we celebrate that is (laughs) (laughs) that is all joe and i'm like wow we sure celebrate a lot of sigourney weaver on this (laughs) social media handle no but i mean again so if if y'all if y'all are on socials please like show joe some respect because he is working a lot of social media accounts (laughs) because i'm too lazy to like think about it now we have our designated roles i mean that's the other kind of fun thing that people don't know is sometimes our personality comes out very strongly on the podcast but sometimes we're very much in sync so you know, I may do some of the socials, but you're the kind of OCD guy who's like, all right, we need to keep on top of scheduling and making sure that everything is going in on time. You're the person who like gets our ads, like all figured out. So it it's very much like a very good marriage in a lot of business ways. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And um, I mean, it's really funny. So um, listeners, just a sneak peek of what we'll be doing later in this episode, we are going to kind of read some bad reviews. We actually did have a good review, but the, the review stated that he wasn't sure that the two hosts liked each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> We're just catty, that's all. It's yeah, it's just I, I think I think that yeah, people that don't really you utilize sarcasm and sassiness a lot in their everyday life, it can come across as just plain being mean or dislike or contempt. And while Joe and I have certainly had our spats over the oh, three sure. years that we've been working, we've never had like a rift in our friendship um, or partnership for that matter, because it's we're both of those things. Yeah, it's kind of funny that, you know, it started out where we would, you know, start writing something and I would shoot it to you and you would shoot it back to me and it'd be like, OK, cool. I'll talk to you in a month when we do another one of these mm-hmm. things. And now it's like. You went on vacation and I missed you because I was like, well, who the fuck am I going to talk about all this shit with now? (laughs) Well, and I also do want to say, y'all, that you actually do have Joe to thank for the podcast because whenever we were doing the articles in 2018, uh, the horror quiz articles, well, if you don't know what that is, go listen to our speed dating episodes because they're all over there. But (laughs) anyway, um, I was very much against the idea of doing a podcast because I was lazy and still am in some regards. Um, (laughs) 
But I was like, I don't want to learn how to do that. I don't want to edit. I don't want to, like, learn, like, whatever. I don't want to do any of that shit. And I'm really happy that he did convince me to finally do it when he explained to me how easy it would be. Now, it easy is a relative term. <laughs> it's easy to do, but the workload is high. And yes. then we added things like a book club, and then we added microqueers, and then we added audio commentary. But it wasn't even with the Patreon. It started off as like, okay, two episodes a month. And then it was, oh, two episodes and two minisodes a month. Then it was two episodes, two minisodes, a newsletter. Then two episodes, two minisodes, a newsletter, and an audio commentary a month. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is that I really like to try new things and then people keep responding to them and we find new ways to connect with listeners and we get this great feedback. Like there's been such a community that's developed around horror queers that I never really expected that every time something works, I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's another opportunity to make these connections with the people that I personally always felt cut off from growing up, right? Like, I didn't have this community of queer horror people or allies. Like, we've got a lot of people who are not queer who listen to us, and shout out to them. Yeah. But it's just always so amazing to find these new creative outlets to connect with people. And, you know, we get to talk about these fascinating different kinds of texts. So I... I always just want to add more to our plate. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, I never... <laughs> I, I, I was like, let's dial it back, though. <laughs> no, it's really... No, because what's funny is that as a person, I actually have a lot of trouble telling people no, because I'm as, as honest and blunt as I am, I'm actually quite a people pleaser. And so mm -hmm. when someone asks me to do something or asks if I, if I can do something, I almost always, always say, say yes. Yes, yes yeah. 100%. Which is why I have to stagger my ass. I always have to be like, okay, I haven't asked him to take on a new project in a while but that but, book is coming is what i'm saying <laughs> oh my god yeah jo joe wants us to write a book together oh my god we'll see if that happens but rewinding to back to what you said rewinding to back to what you said <laughs> i'm already say going. it five times fast <laughs> rewinding back to what you said earlier though about the listeners and the community that we've I don't even want to say that we've built. We haven't. We created an outlet and then people came and they made it a community. So as much as what we're going to move forward, like in this episode going, what we're going to do this episode going forward is while it's going to be really about us, it's a lot of things that we're hearing from y'all. And yes. honest, honestly, it's like as really fun as Instagram and Twitter is. I think the best thing that I've seen come out of this podcast has been the community on the Facebook group. Yeah. I'm really meh on, fa on Facebook groups in general, especially ones that are movie-focused, because it tends to be a lot of um, stupid people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that we haven't really had that case. I really enjoy interacting with a lot of the people in that group. Mm -hmm. And y'all really fucking churned it out when we asked y'all for some memories to bring up in this episode. Because it's one thing, right? You know, Joe and I are the creators. We know what we like, but we don't always know that if what we're going to turn out is going to resonate with listeners, resonate with yeah. you guys. And so... Hearing things that y'all liked in the past 100 episodes was kind of eye-opening and enlightening, and it also helped us to maybe do similar things moving forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're always looking for feedback, ideally positive or constructive, but uh, it's helpful to give us a sense of the kinds of things that you like. And some of this is gratifying because it's like, oh, that did work. And some of this is like, oh, I can't believe they like that. And then sometimes you're like, oh, 
maybe that didn't stick the landing as much as we had hoped or thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always fun when we did our listener survey last November, and like, we you know, we had our favorite episodes and least favorite episodes, and the people, like, the responses we got for some people's favorite episodes, we were like, oh shit, like, I wouldn't have even considered that, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. So speaking of favorite mm-hmm. episodes, Trace, do you have a favorite among the hundred that we have done? <laughs> it's really funny because my answer is not even going to be one that's super queer. As much as I love talking about, you know, queer things on this queer horror podcast, mm-hmm. I don't think I was quite as in like much hog heaven as I was discussing Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Ah, it's, it's, you know, w- we live in a generation where it's like, oh, it's all about nostalgia. And while yes, as we discussed in that episode, there is a huge, like, I have huge nostalgia goggles on when it comes to all things Scooby-Doo. Right. To devote an hour and a half of time to going through Scooby-Doo history, discussing this gateway horror film, talking about how it's actually really mature and honestly quite dark for a children's film, and also trying to find some queer elements in it, and of course with our stellar guest Haley Fouch in that episode... It was, you know, I don't think I've ever been happier recording an episode than I was doing Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Yeah, I mean, I could hear the giddiness in your voice, and you were so excited. I think even when I agreed to put it on the schedule, like, you were pretty insistent that we were going to do it, but you were always like, I hope that you'll get something good out of this, and that maybe you'll enjoy the text and this kind of stuff. Like, you were so trepidatious because I like I could tell that you had such emotional investment in it and I think it really comes through in that episode like you are such a mega fucking fan and that makes for great listening you know it's definitely something where things from my youth be it my childhood or my adolescence like I we've talked in the past about our experiences growing up queer and like what that was like but I you know movies and media were how I like survived how I escaped into like into like my own little world and something like Scooby-Doo or even doing Reefer Madness, the movie musical, which I watched on repeat in high school, like mm-hmm. that was also a real treat to get to discuss. It, the, the nostalgia is less so like, oh, I was a kid and I like this, but more so like these movies. They got you through stuff. They got me through stuff. Absolutely. And um, I think it's important to recognize that because obviously, like, you know, I can look at a movie. No, no, they're perfect movies. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to justify this. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I And I, y'all, if y'all haven't listened to Reefer Madness or Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, or, or fuck, seen them for that matter, um, mm-hmm. go do that now. Um, I don't even yeah. care who you are. Yeah, I would but, throw Hocus Pocus onto that pile as well, because oh, you yeah. and Laura just geeked the fuck out on that episode. I think that's the thing. In the grinch, like, I mean, I, I really liked our episode on Cruising this week, because even though it's a film that I wasn't familiar with and I didn't have a huge connection with prior to watching it, I thought we had really good discussions out of it, you know? Hmm. That actually transitions very nicely into my favorite episode. Good! And I'll confess that sometimes I still yearn for the editorials because I like the opportunity to reflect a little bit on the kinds of things that we're saying and we can go a little deeper into the research and that kind of stuff. So I do have a fondness for the episodes where we get really heavy with the analysis and we try to uncover meaningful things. So I would have to say that my favorite episode from the first 100 is Martyrs. Okay, I'm I'm glad you said that because I actually almost picked that one for um for my pick because I, I I too so listeners you know we have a basic structure to our episodes and it's usually like cool introductions we'll go through like production release reception and like what the film like what, our connection to the film for like thirty minutes and then it's about an hour sometimes another hour and a half <laughs> of plot 
when it's a film like Martyrs, or again, even Cruising from earlier this week, we tend to kind of nix the, the, the heavy plot synopsis and just really go into themes. And we don't do that a ton, and I know that for some people that's kind of a, that's a problem, but I really like letting the movie dictate the discussion. And in Martyrs, that's absolutely what happened. I think we had really good discussion. So wait, what, what, was there anything about that episode that you liked particularly? No, it was just, it was a, it was an episode that I was really feeling cautious about because I know that it's so polarizing and divisive. So I was worried that we were going to try it and we wouldn't do it justice. Like there's nothing worse than feeling, because I don't know if you share this, this sentiment trace, but sometimes I feel like we only have one chance to do a film and I always want to make sure that we get it as right as possible. Mm -hmm. And there have been episodes where I've been like, "Mm, that didn't, really do as much as I think it could have or we could have maybe spent more time unpacking it and that kind of stuff so I've always just worried with some of these big texts that are really important to people and I do think that Martyrs is a really significantly important text to people I was so worried that we were going to get it wrong and I feel like we got it mostly right no I I agree with you I mean listeners if you go back and listen to our very first official episode on Scream like you know that was not only our uh, quote-unquote pilot after our speed dating episode but we were both like oh my god like going into something like that especially for our first episode it's like we need to do this justice because it's a big fucking deal so martyrs is like that cruising is like that um nightmare on street 2 is like that like when you're Mm -hmm. doing these seminal texts it's just like oh my god like because you know we're gonna get those those comments that are like i can't believe y'all didn't mention this and it's like i know yeah yeah (laughs) because sometimes you get podcaster brain you forget basic words much less arguments that make sense <laughs> but um no I, I would agree with you and i actually i have a clip from martyrs to share later um that someone pointed out as being one of their favorite moments in the show so um you you are, have you have agreeers with you nice okay so on that note then let's look into so so into what some of our listeners have said and i'm gonna just use first names i mean i did put a thing in the facebook group that was like if you don't want to say your name let us know no one replied. <laughs> <laughs> they were too busy arguing about other fun things. Which is great, and we love you guys for it. But just to be on the safe side, I'm going to say first names and not last names, just to, for privacy's sake. Sounds good. So yes, we asked everyone in the Facebook group uh, what um, what moments or exchanges hooked them into our podcast or sticks out in their memories. As um, And we got quite a few responses. So Alicia actually had a, thing to, a wonderful thing to say about The Descent. And Joe, this is regarding you. Uh, She says she really liked it when you defended Juno in The Descent, played by Natalie Mendoza, because she never thought of her in that light before, and she respects that. Juno, to me, is reflective of the kind of character that we should implicitly hate, because she's an adulteress, because she is so narcissistic and selfish, and then she accidentally kills one of her friends. Like, she should be the most hissable, hateable character in this movie. And you might argue that she is, of all the human beings, But I find something so human about her, and particularly in this moment where she realizes what she's done, and she is crying. She is so upset, and she doesn't know what to do. I think part of her also realizes this is a death blow. I can't do anything for Beth, and she's embarrassed. Like, that's why I think she leaves Beth. It's not because she looks at her and says, well, I can't do anything to help you. You're dead weight. She literally doesn't say anything to her, even Mm -hmm. as Beth is saying, please don't leave me. Juno just can't handle the ramifications of what she's done. And to me, that makes her the most human character. 
it's also because she is just such a badass character. Like, I think when people talk about The Descent, they often prioritize Sarah and her evolution either to, like, this badass final girl or back to becoming what she once was before the grief kicked in. And I think people dismiss Juno because she's the human antagonist. I think that does the character a disservice because in any other horror film, Juno would be the fucking final girl. She is the Gale Weathers of The Descent, where she is hissable and narcissistic and selfish and self-involved, and she makes a lot of bad, stupid decisions, but she's also fucking badass. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect going into that episode to be a staunch Juno defender, but there is something about Natalie Mendoza and the way that that character connects with me that I really wanted to spend a little bit of time unpacking. I think that's too something where... You know, when we started this podcast, we wanted to make it like, oh, a place where queer horror fans can like, you know, feel not alone. And we'll get to some of those responses in a bit, because I will tell you that I cried quite a bit reading some of the replies (laughs) we got. But also it's when we can change someone's mind about a film or make them see a film in a different light. Right. That's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things. And Actually, that leads into my next comment from Miss Emily Joe, and it's regarding Hostel Part 2. She writes, that was the only movie I ever seriously considered walking out on because I hated it so much, but your discussion convinced me to watch it again and see the sort of feminist undertones that Eli Roth tried to work in. Now, we're emphasizing the word tried here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you, Emily Joe. This is not a film that's going to work for everybody. So the fact that you even gave it a second try after having that kind of reaction, good on you. And I will say that that's actually one of my favorite episodes as well. I thought we had a really good discussion over Hostel Part 2. And while Eli Roth is a human bag of trash. 100%. Yeah. That movie, I do think, is probably him at his best. And that episode actually got two mentions, Joe. Ooh. Mr. Ian says, I think I recall a discussion about the word cunt at some point, And that was really <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> Oh, we get into so much trouble. So, yes. And we've actually had people complain about our use of the word cunt on the podcast. And I'm, I'm not going to apologize because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't listen to our Hostel Part 2 episode, Joe gave a really, really fascinating, um, I want to say, an oral history of the word cunt. A lot of people say, oh, well, why would you say the word cunt when you could say vagina? And the fact is, is that they're not the same word. And I didn't know this, so I'm going to share it. So vagina has Latin origins, like a lot of other words. And one of the definitions is that it is a sword sheath. And Mm -hmm. if that sounds awkward or weird to you, it's because one of the ways that vagina is literally like the nomenclature of it is that it is for birthing children. And it is basically it is a path for a penis. So if you want to if you want to get into problematic words like that's actually not great if all things considered. Whereas if you want to be more appropriate, cunt is technically all parts. So vagina is not all female reproductive parts. It's the whole shebang, both external and internal, including the labia, the vulva, the pudendum, vagina, and clitoris. So if you want to think about the fact that we have turned cunt, which is a more appropriate word for what we're often thinking about, we have uh, weaponized it and sexualized it. Really, at the end of the day, cunt is a more appropriate term for a strong woman with sexual desire, and we've turned that into a bad thing. Huh. Now, I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy for people to just be like, I'm tossing out cunt all the time here, but I think it's important to acknowledge that this is not the way 
the phrase began. It actually, like, it goes way, way, way back in terms of genealogy from around the world. But also we, like, more or less patriarchy has turned it into an insult and something that is derogatory and offensive. And I guess I would encourage women to think about saying, you know what, fuck fuck men for doing this and reclaim the cunt. Again, I can understand why people take offense to this. And certainly there's been a number of times that people have said, you know, I don't want you to use this word. That has a negative stigma. That's a trigger for me. And we always do want to hear that. But some of this is also that this is an opportunity to unpack and talk about why maybe some of these words need to be appropriated or reappropriated. Yeah. And granted, if you don't like hearing that word, I mean, it's no different than us not liking to hear the F slur. Correct. Yeah. So and that's something that we no longer say on this podcast, but we will continue saying cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll ju- we'll be selective about how we're applying it. In yeah, some I'll, ways. I'll, I'll use it for really, really big cunts. There we go. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we also heard from Kelly, who is one of the co-hosts of Spinsters of Horror, who we have both contributed to her podcast in small ways. Mm -hmm. And she had a comment about our Ginger Snaps episode, where she said, it's nice to have a female perspective, so in this case, our fantastic guest, Ariel Fisher, and talk openly about periods and menstruation. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, that's an episode that um, I was drunk for, so (laughs) I vaguely recall... (laughs) (laughs) listening to this conversation (laughs) sometimes there's a reason why we keep trace away from the alcohol i know that people do love to hear drunk trace when he comes out of the closet Mm -hmm. and sometimes that is that is really good and other times it's like no but trace we we still need you present (laughs) i know i and i i have stopped drinking during episodes unless it's like a glass of wine um and listeners i maybe you don't know so the the big ones were um and we'll actually get this in a second were um ginger snaps uh was a big drunk one for me and the X-Files I Want to Believe was a big drunk one for me. And ever since it's that an one, all-timer. <laughs> yeah, that's an all-timer. I, I So basically, like, you know, we, we edit the podcast. We do stuff, like just some behind-the-scenes info. Oh, we edit. Yes. <laughs> that X-Files episode I edited no less than 20 minutes out of because the second half of it I was so belligerently drunk that you could not understand what I was saying. <laughs> it, it got a little slurry. A little bit. Yeah, that's, a, that's an understatement. <laughs> but Gender Snaps is actually a good segue into our next discussion. So, Joe, when we posted, like, looking for responses from people, we specifically said, yes, we have the cum discussion. Because, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, I'm not even going to say unfortunately, but apparently my particular fetish for cum <laughs> is popular or at least um widely regarded as a funny moment in the show's history (laughs) it's iconic we can just say that it's the episode that literally got us featured on the av club it did so even though we said we have the come we have that already on record as being a thing we had corbin guillaume bryce and ian (laughs) say that all mentioned the cum thing in the comments. Um, so that was really fun. Now, what y'all may not know is that we actually started having a cum discussion in our Seed of Chucky episode because mm-hmm. there's a lot of cum in that movie. Anyway, yeah, so lots of cum in this movie. Actually, and this, this is the only scene where there's cum. No, the scene there's where the she's baster. got the turkey baster and there's like a CGI drop of cum that's about to fall at the tip of it. Mm-hmm. So... Icky, Chris, do you know where else there's come in this movie? Well, no, those are the two. Those are the two moments. It's the the intro and the turkey baster. So you're also forgetting just the masturbation in general when he's masturbating to Fangoria. 
Oh, well, that's true. But there's no, we don't see the cum in that. That's scene. right. Oh yeah, yeah, there's no visual cum. There's no well, visual he, cum. He holds up a little jar, doesn't he? Because isn't that why Jennifer Tilly freaks out on the couch? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? Oh, you're <laughs> right. He is holding like a jar of it at one point. Wow, there's a lot more cum in this movie than I thought. <laughs> there's so much cum. Oh, bless you, Don Mancini. <laughs> but it's yeah. funny, right? Because none of that is even remotely gay, right? Like it's queer, but it's not gay. You disagree? It's a little gay. <laughs> I mean, I just, you don't see a lot of cum in movies outside of, you know, gay ones. Yeah. I was literally about to say, oh, we just talked about Knife Plus Heart. <laughs> which is a like, gay oh, one. Okay, yeah, which is a bit gay. Did they get away with it because it's doll cum and it's not, like, supposed to be human cum? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Got to think so. Well, get away with it, like, as in, like, the ratings board wasn't, like, that's an NC-17. <sighs> I, I just, I'm trying to think of other movies that we've seen, like, actual cum just, like, flying around. And that segue, though, I want to say it was even the next episode, Joe. It might have been two episodes later on Ginger Snaps, where I then go into a very long harangue about how much I love cum. And I want to not drink it, but have a lot Bathe of it. in it, I think? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Let, let's hear this clip and see what it says. <laughs> Sticky is my least... Oh my god, where is this going? Wait, <laughs> I have a point. <laughs> Sticky is my least favorite tactile sensation. So food things and sex and me don't mix. I don't like sticky. But whenever I say that, there's always a cum joke to be made out of it. You know, it's like, well, you're gay. You like cum. And I'm like, I don't just bathe in cum. I don't want sticky cum all over me all the time. Oh, my God. Oh my I'm God. totally envisioning you I am in, like, the dying. bath. Wait, 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 wait. But, like in the bathtub from Hostel no, Part 2. But it's just cum. No, but, but here's the thing. I do like cum a lot. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of a cum fetishist, but 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 it's only sticky if you rub it on yourself and thin it out, or if you get it wet. If it's just a puddle on you, it's fine. But that's it. So I like the idea of cum, but I just don't want it to stick to me. I am going on record. This is my favorite <laughs> guest appearance on any podcast <laughs> ever. I, <sighs> I just call this Thursday now. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so basically what we're saying is you're a dirty boy. Let's move on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So we also heard from Miriam, who I love because she listens to both of my podcasts. So uh, take that, Trace. Woo! I only have one <laughs> podcast. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one pass, one podcast in many forms. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Miriam gave you a shout out to Zombiever. She says, I still sing the Zombiever song sometimes. And I learned that from Trace because I still haven't seen the movie. So <laughs> that definitely sticks out of my memory. I love that. This idea that people don't just listen to episodes, but it gets stuck in their ears like catchy show tunes. But even if they haven't seen the film or don't know what you're referencing. That's actually the thing. So we've actually had a lot of people that say, oh, I haven't seen the film and I don't want to see the film, but I still listen to your episodes. Um, that's great. B, Miriam, for the love of Christ or whatever your religious deity is. And if you don't have one, then for the love of Mother Earth, <laughs> please watch Zombievers. Oh, I don't know how many times I can tell people this. Like, it is a really genuinely funny movie that is nowhere near as bad as you think it's going to be. It's not even a bad movie. It's true. And it was your birthday pick. It was my birthday pick. And honestly, if you want to party with me, like it's 1999 on my birthday, you really need to listen to my birthday pick. And 
Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but we have a really fun birthday pick for me lined up in 2021. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> no, we both have fun birthday picks next year. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who did not listen to the Zombievers episode or did not listen all the way to the end, uh-huh. I did record a special track of me singing the Zombievers theme song because that exists. And you can hear a little clip of that now. Zombievers, Zombievers, you hear your sweetheart scream, she tells you why you don't believe her, she saw one in the bathroom, it's no lie, it's a Zombiever. Yeah, I really wish you could have seen me, Joe, recording that by myself. I had to, like, get, like, the MP3 off of YouTube, go through this whole, like, vocal removal tool, and then, like, Mm -hmm. play it and sing over it, and then, I I don't know. It was really funny (laughs) when I was doing it. (laughs) I mean, I I will say one of the things that I enjoy the most about the fact that we trade off on editing is that sometimes we will bury Easter eggs for the other person to find, and sometimes they don't. So I loved that I had no idea that was coming, and then I heard it when I listened to the episode. I was like, what the fuck is this shit in here? (laughs) If it was actually in karaoke, I would have done better, because listening to it, I was like, oh my god, I sound so tone deaf, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough, yeah. And as a sidebar, I will say, I do feel like people should pay a little bit more attention, because we do actually bury those Easter eggs in for listeners as well. So if you haven't listened, there are changes in our opening theme, where sometimes we will play a clip from the film instead of either Gale Weathers or Helen Shivers. So moving on, we also have Ian who talked about our episode on The Perfection. So Ian says that he never listened to podcasts until he stumbled onto ours one day and we had him hooked from the get-go. Oh, actually, I should say they, because we don't know pronouns. So Ian says, I never listened to podcasts until I stumbled onto yours somehow one day and you had me hooked from the get-go. If I did have to choose a favorite episode, I'd go with the Perfection episode. It was a powerful film, but also your analysis and discussion. It added even more to it, to the point that I did reach out and email you guys. And that was a defining moment in your series. And I don't know, an episode like that could have been done poorly, but you handled it well and respectfully. So that's my favorite if I had to choose. Lastly, I have loved every micro queers so far. They're perfect in length for my supermarket trip, and I love discovering the world of horror shorts. Some amazing, some not so amazing. <laughs> so I love that you've branched out to make this. <laughs> I'm really glad. The, the, the micro queers has been a really fun uh, branch off of the podcast, and I really liked it. It's, it is more work that you put on our plate, but it's not, it's easy work for me. Like, I've discussed how I'm not really a shorts person, and so I like I having basically being forced to watch queer horror shorts is, has actually been really good. I think. Mm-hmm. And I like not just the different kinds of directors that we've gotten exposed to, but the different types of storytelling. Because a lot of the time, these shorts have to act in a very different way than the features that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if y'all haven't checked out the micro queers, they're really fun 15 minute episodes that we do on horror shorts that are freely available to the public. So please give mm-hmm. those a look. Yeah. Moving on to, oh, something that's going to be, I know, one of Joe's favorite things. Um, Mike writes, any episode that's my favorite is one that includes Trace shouting, Paolo, only oh, because... <laughs> <laughs> 
Only because I can imagine listeners either rolling their eyes or laughing hysterically. He did say he would love to have a remix of these clips set to what dreams are made of. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that capability, Mike, but I can offer you a remix, uh, I'm sorry, a supercut of some of these clips. Oh, oh, you're gonna love this. It's like the really bad Italian accent from the bad guy in the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, everybody, now you have to finish your drink because Trace brought up... Paolo and Isabella! <laughs> Alias and Maguire! Yeah, that's exactly what happens! Fuck you and fuck the Lucy Maguire <laughs> Yeah, so Stoney, who was played by Yanni Gelman, and then Kinsa, who was played by Melanie Johnson. But Yanni Gelman... Mm-hmm. Did you read my oh, cheat sheet? Oh, this is your connection? Yes, it is, because he is the villain, Paolo, in the Lizzie McGuire movie! <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> Paolo and Isabella! <laughs> Wait, but That's you know who thing. voices her, though, right? That's Alex Borstein. Yes, I did see that, which I thought was appropriate, and I would not have been able to tell that no. if I hadn't looked it up. Well, <laughs> she is a very, um, and listeners, if you don't know, she's Lois on Family Guy, but she's also, oh, Miss Ungermeyer, the principal in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh Love my god, Trace, I can't reference. believe you managed Love it. To... <laughs> Love it. Joe never brings up Hilary Duff properties for me. I'm really He grateful. reviews Younger! <laughs> Okay, there's a couple of movies that seem to come up all the fucking time on this podcast, this horror podcast, and Lizzie McGuire is one of them. (laughs) That makes me really happy. I don't know how it keeps happening. Oh my god, Trace, I wish we could hang out in real life. (laughs) This is so good. Now, just to head off any commentary, I do not hate the Lizzie McGuire movie. (laughs) Oh no, it's okay. I just don't always understand why it comes up. (laughs) I have my Disney connection. This, This fight scene is set to the song Volare. <laughs> and the only reason I know what that song is, is if because... If you say motherfucking Lizzie McGuire movie... I'm in the Lizzie McGuire the movie. Oh my god, wow. Vitamin C does a cover wow. of Volare for the Lizzie McGuire movie soundtrack for a scene when her and Paolo are driving through Rome on a Vespa. Okay, the only reason I will allow this ridiculousness to continue... <laughs> We were doing so well, and now you keep bringing it back up. And the only reason I'll allow it to pass this time is because you mentioned vitamin C. Do you know who is eating her pussy in the bathroom? <laughs> uh, he looked familiar, but I can't say I do. He's Yanni Gelman, a.k.a. Paolo, from the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, oh my God! Uh, <laughs> Zena, this I is didn't a... even know that! That was my childhood! <laughs> It wasn't intentional to go into this being like, oh, I'm going to make all these Lizzie McGuire connections. And yet that's how it's happened. We have found a lot of Lizzie McGuire connections in movies. This is true. I can 100% say that it's not something I intended to have to keep addressing. It has been a fun, amusing thing, mostly because I, again, never know when you're going to bring it up. So it's always just like, surprise, Lizzie McGuire movie. And... (laughs) I don't know. There's something fun about podcasting developing certain rhythms and cadences, and I kind of love that the Lizzie McGuire movie is a part of our history. Honestly, my favorite is when we have a guest and they are on my side about the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh my god, no. (laughs) That immediately gets you blacklisted. You will never be invited back. Uh, All right, what's next? So we have Tyler writing in about our Midsummer episode. And of course, a lot of people won't have heard this because it's available exclusively on Patreon. So do go and subscribe to the Patreon. We've got like 90 hours of content in addition to this Midsummer episode. Mm-hmm. 
And Tyler says when Trace left the recording to prove his midsummer theory by asking his husband to fact check just to be heard going fuck as Joe <laughs> chuckles. He loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. Um, I normally don't leave the recording room, but um, because I thought it was right. And what we were arguing over was I thought the character of Pele died in the fire at the end of that movie, and um, mm. he did not. <laughs> but it's not Pele in the end. He's still alive. That's what confused no, me. No, he's not. I thought that they named him. Yeah, he is. He's in the crowd. He's crying. No, he is not. He's... Up. No, no, he, he no, he's not. He's in the house burning with his brother and they're staring at each other. Nope. I promise you that is the case. Okay, well, we're not going to be able to come to consensus. Yeah, we, we have. <laughs> l- l- listen, <laughs> listeners, can you please tell us which of us is right? Is, oh, wait, actually, wait, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Andrew. Yeah? In the end of Midsummer, both Pele, the guy that's with them, him and his brother are both listeners please note and trace you are not allowed to edit this out trace is asking his husband this is not fair unless he agrees with me in which case it's totally fair damn it okay motherfucker (laughs) so okay in that case future trace you can leave what i said in i do love to prove you wrong yeah Well, Joe, the next one's for you. Um, Brandon says, my first podcast episode was the Hellraiser Bloodline episode, which in case listeners don't know, that was Joe's birthday pick with this from this year to pair with my Zombievers episode. Yes. I love the snark slash humor the hosts bring to the show, and I like that they aren't horror experts per se, as in they always admit when they haven't seen everything, but they obviously love horror and bring fresh eyes and perspective to horror and cult classics, and that is very refreshing. Um, oh, I do like this part, though. Some horror pod hosts can be a little too inside baseball. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's easy to feel left out at times, which I never feel on this show. It's basically where it's like people are trying to show their credibility by knowing every little thing. And regular people are like, okay, but do I need to have that kind of knowledge? Like, it's a form of gatekeeping. Okay, so it's like when we're trying to show our horror cred by covering obscure films, as some of our worst (laughs) reviews have pointed out. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Next up. Okay, so next up is a person that shall be referred to as Dr. Horror, (laughs) and they are talking about our Alien Covenant episode that had them in stitches. So it's really impressive that I liked that film, but still enjoyed listening to you making fun of it. I usually don't really like hearing shade thrown at films I enjoy, but that was a noteworthy exception. I think, okay, here's the difference. So I'll compare this to our episode on Stage Fright. Not the 80s slasher, but the 2014 musical horror thing. Right. The one that we came down a little aggressively hard on. We did. And that was an early episode for us, but I still hate it. But that, <laughs> not the episode, just the movie. No, the movie. But that's that. That's an episode where it's very much just like, oh, we we are like lashing into this movie, and it maybe wasn't entirely fair because I, it's just definitely a movie that I was like, I wanted more from this, and it didn't give it to me. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like with Alien Covenant, a we had a guest who liked the film. Thank you, Drew Teach. Right. Yes, but our. I don't even think we were throwing shade at Alien Covenant. I think, mo- and maybe y'all disagree, but I think in that episode we were very much. Um, like critiquing it as critics and not like being bitchy gays, if that makes any sense. Whereas I do think in Stage Fright, we might have been a bit of the bitchy gay stereotype. Yeah, and we do try to balance that out. So even when we do cover films that we don't necessarily like, we do make an effort to highlight the things that are working well 
the performances, the editing, filmmaking, <laughs> anything like that. You know, we're looking for opportunities to unpack and discuss the film because we recognize that there's always going to be fans of films, even if they are bad or most people don't like them. Like, if nothing else, that is one of the things that we have discovered is that there are fans for every movie out there. 100%. And if you like Alien Covenant, that is fine. Do not bring it to my house because I already have it. <laughs> I, okay, for the record, I also like Alien Covenant. I just recognize that it has problems. I think if it was just like a stand, if the Alien franchise didn't exist and we got that movie, I think I would like it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you should watch uh, Raised by Wolves then, because that's basically yeah. a Ridley Scott set in that world kind of... Anyway, we'll yeah. talk about that later. <laughs> um, Matt. So Matt's actually reached out, us, reached out to us a couple of times, but when pressed, he goes, So you know one of my favorites already, The Rage Carry 2, because I sent you an essay about it. And Matt, that you did, but it was a really lovely essay. We love getting yes. those long emails. And that is not sass that is no. genuine <laughs> genuine like uh, this was a great email to receive i can turn on any of the episodes and laugh at the snark and banter and humor and sometimes i need that and greatly appreciate that but the ones that really stay with me are the ones where something sneaks up on me when i wasn't expecting it i was laughing for most of your carry to episode and then suddenly you were sharing your own bully experiences and telling people they weren't alone and man did it sneak up on me also joe anytime you say the word divisive divisive <laughs> Um, but, you know, Carrie 2 was, again, one of our earliest episodes, and I think it's one of our better ones because, yeah, we, we really do go into our personal history with bullying and what how it, how it how that film kind of connected with us in that way because it was, again, a 90s horror film. Do you have an instance in your life that is, I want to say, like, your quote-unquote Carrie moment, like a moment of bullying or humiliation that... Where it's like, ooh, like, if I had powers, that would have been the moment that, like, would have, like, fucking, like, I would have killed everybody. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not endorsing or condoning murder, by the way. It's just totally a hypothetical situation. No, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, my experiences do mirror the experiences from this film. So my quote-unquote bullying experiences were psychological. So I, like, I never got locked in lockers. I never got beaten up. Mm -hmm. I never... I deliberately took myself out of certain situations. Like I tried not to spend time in locker rooms in high school and junior high because I didn't feel safe. Yeah. And I was afraid of being exposed and bullied in those scenarios. I had a best friend and we had been best friends since grade one, I think. And the way that the school system is set up, it was junior high was from grade seven to nine. And then you would graduate and go to high school for three years from grade 10 to 12. And in grade nine, I was still friends with this guy. And he, he had developed other friends that were then part of our joined friend group. But I didn't necessarily like these people all that much. Like it was very much a I was friends with him and he was friends with these other people. So we were all friends. And one person, one of his friends in particular didn't like me. And I think it's because he was jealous and threatened by my friendship with this guy, whose name is John. And yes, in hindsight, I look back on it. I probably had a very long standing crush on my friend John. I was not ready to accept it. But at one point in grade nine, this other guy and all of the rest of my friends... I 
I mean, I found out about it after the fact. I never actually was privy to the conversation because, of course, it's boys. They never talk. They ran away at lunch hour every day. Starting one random day, you know, the lunch bell rang. I went to go and sit down in the cafeteria with them. And they literally got up and walked away and disappeared for the rest of the lunch hour without saying a single word to me. Did this every day for two weeks until I just realized, okay, these people are no longer my friends. And it was just, it was like a fucking knife because I knew that the reason that they were doing it is because they knew that I was different and they didn't like it and they wanted to punish me. And they didn't even have the fucking balls to say anything, but... This was like at the end of my career at this particular school. So I had all of a sudden no friends going into the rest of this year. And I felt completely isolated. At this point, I'm obviously already starting to question my own sexuality. Right. But I had to make like all these new friends. I felt completely isolated, completely alone. I was starting to have like really bad acne problems as well. So I basically hated myself, hated my life. And it ended up leading to all kinds of like depression, suicidal thoughts that carried on throughout my entire high school career. So John and you guys, if you're listening, you can go fuck yourselves because you were also shit heels. That's not a singular incident. I'm sure like tons of people, especially people listening to us right now, have had experiences like that. And, you know, for anyone that's never experienced something like that, they might be like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, kids will be kids, blah, 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 blah. But things like that, like, they take a psychological toll on you. And, and when you're a child or an adolescent or a teenager and, you know, your brain is still developing, it shapes who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Especially my self-worth. That was the thing. Like, I didn't know what I had done wrong it's not like we had a fight it's not like i made a move and it went bad or something like that it was just like they knew that i was different they picked up on it they didn't like it you know and it's interesting because i look back and so john had an older sister and i remember one time we were hanging out at his house and she just looked at me and she was like you're gay like do you know that you're going to grow up and you're going to be gay and i was like i don't even know what that is Mm because it was like grade one or two And after all of this stuff happened, all I could think about was, so did I just lose all of my friends because I'm this thing that people say I am that I don't even know what that means? Yeah. It sucked. I have a lot of experiences like with just like, yeah, like loss of self-worth. But for some reason, the one that sticks out to me the most, and it's not even the worst of the things that's happened to me, was I remember being in sixth grade and going to the school dance and like the next Monday someone had spread a rumor that I was dancing with a guy at the dance. And granted, who this guy would have been, even if I was dancing with a guy, I don't even know who. <laughs> who would it have been? Uh, but isn't there, isn't there always only one of us in any of these, in any of these schools? I know. And, but yeah, so it was like the talk of the week that week at school. It was like, oh, like Trace the, the faggot was dancing with a guy at the dance. And I didn't like. I was staring at the girl with the big boobs. Uh, her name was uh, Haley, and <laughs> we know you love big boobs. And yeah, because I had a crush on her. Because at the time, I didn't know that I was gay. Apparently, everyone else did though. So I mean, it's not even like a big deal. But like, I remember just being made fun of that whole next week for for making out with a uh, for, sorry for I'm um, dancing with a guy. Yeah. For something that didn't even happen. Right. But it was that easy. And I think that's also hard when 
if you don't know you're gay yet or you haven't thought about it seriously, mm-hmm. when people are telling you that, it makes it even more difficult. Because that's when you actively try and you're like, no, I'm not. Don't yeah. tell me what I am. Like, I don't even know what that means. Well, and not that it's any less difficult if you do know you're gay. Obviously, like, I'm not trying to like belittle anyone else's experience. But like, I yeah, I, I just, I was so confused because I was like, I'm not. And it was so frustrating. And nothing you can say or do is going to change what they're saying. Oh, yeah. And if, if I had some Carrie or Rachel powers, I would have killed some people. Okay, Joe, what's up next? Okay, so that actually feeds in nicely to Katie's comment about our murders episode. So they say they rewatched Martyrs last night so that this morning they could re-listen to the episode, and it was primarily so that they could hear Trace's reading of the ending as a moment of queer triumph. Listeners, I think a lot of people are always afraid that they're stupid. Ooh, okay. On this podcast, we do a lot of analysis, and I do a lot of research, and I... While a lot of thoughts I have are my own, I don't have a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, I, I I feel stupid a lot of the time, you know, where I'm like, I don't know if what I'm saying is right, even though Joe and I have said countless times, there's no right or wrong when you're reading a film. Right. They're all subjective, and if you can make the argument, then you are right. Absolutely. Coming up, and I, I mentioned this in the episode, um, but th- it's possible someone's had a positive queer reading of Martyrs before, and the same one I have, but if so, I haven't seen it. So I came up with that queer reading like on my own. And it was one of those moments where it was like, if you're writing an essay in like college and you're like, oh my God, like I had a breakthrough. <laughs> That's like one of the <laughs> proudest moments I've had on this show. Is co- it, I mean, again, I'm saying coming up with that queer reading of, of Martyrs. But again, maybe it exists. I don't know. But I was really, really happy with that. <laughs> maybe it's just highlighting it on the podcast, whether it was created by you or if you were channeling something that somebody else had already created. It's a great moment to address and particularly for that film because people have so much trauma and conflict with it i think it's a way to repurpose it and change that narrative for some people like it's not torture porn this can actually be a positive thing so i found this quote and it made me think about how to read how to read anna's queerness into the end of the film in a positive light and maybe this, this can be a discussion. So okay. this is um, Andrew Cousins uh, in The Philosophy of Martyrs, Transcendence, and Torture. And he writes, Lucy is the cause Anna has that allows her to accept the suffering she is put under. While the others had antagonistic visions, Anna's is of someone she loves and accepts. One would assume that a pious, religious martyr would have visions of their deity. By accepting rather than fighting the vision, the victim becomes a martyr. So I took that. Just thinking about, I was like, yeah, because like when you think of a martyr, you think, oh, someone who dies for their religious beliefs. And I've said this before, I grew up very Catholic. Um, my mother like went to Catholic, like, nun- Catholic school where the nuns beat you with rulers in Beckwoods, Louisiana. And like, I was Jesus just like, Christ. I went through confirmation. I did all this shit. Like, I mean, I am a familiar with Catholicism, you could say. Mm-hmm. So I thought about this. And I was like, okay, the deity. I think she doesn't have a vision of her deity because as all of us know, most religions view homosexuality or queerness as a sin. It is mm-hmm. a mortal sin. You're going to hell, blah, 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 blah. But she's the one to experience this, to witness the afterlife. And of course, we don't know what she sees. But I think that she doesn't have a vision of her deity because she believes that her deity has rejected her. She's gay or queer in some way. You know, we don't label her. Yeah. That's why she doesn't see a deity. At least I don't think she does. And it's her love for a woman, for her friend, that she is held onto that allows her to become a martyr. So in a sense, it is her queerness that allows her this privilege, if you will, to sneak a peek into the afterlife while still being alive. I think that's a positive way to look at this in the sense that, you know, her queerness is what allows her to do this. Okay, well, um, actually, Joe, the next one's one for you. Well, 
Yes, no, it's actually one for you. Um, so okay. this comes from Lalo. They say, the episode that hit me hard was the what keeps you alive discussion. Uh, when we started talking about why Jackie, uh, who's played by Hannah Emily Anderson, would have changed her na- name from Megan and making the relation to how she might have changed it after coming out and became a new person. Then Joe shared his similar experiences with changing his name. And that small yet so personal statement made me realize how I did the same. And if y'all missed that episode, again, yes, Joe did give a really good personal statement on that, which you can listen to right now. It's not something that I often publicly talk about, but Joe is actually not my, well, it is my name. It's my middle name, but Mm -hmm. my first name is actually Paul. And I changed it when I moved to go to university or college for you folks in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the person that I had been growing up was no longer the person I was. And about a year later, I ended up coming out, but it was all about saying that person is more or less dead to me because I didn't like who he was. I don't want to be him anymore. And I changed my name to try to become someone new. And that new person ended up becoming a queer man. But so whenever you start dating someone, or I guess even when you date, when you started dating your husband, like, is that something that you let, like, let them know right off the bat? Uh, it's something that I often forget about. I've actually (laughs) conditioned myself to respond to it. It took me a long time to realize, okay, you don't respond to this name, you now respond to this name. And it can almost become a confusing process, even though it's something you initiated yourself. But my parents and my sister still call me by my first name. So every time we have family gatherings, I always have to remember that my husband Brian is going to be very confused because they all call me Paul all the time. Do you not find that disrespectful? Or is it just because you've never made it a point to be like, hey, y'all, please call me Joe? Or have you done that and they just ignore it? (laughs) It's something that I allow for them. And this should be something that's important, like, uh, because you raised it off the air. And I initially was like, no, I don't think that's comparable. But in this way, it probably is. So this is not like a dead name for a trans person, right? Where like, you have literally changed your entire, like, it's so symbolic, because it represents a completely different person who you have always been. For me, this was more of almost like a semantic thing where I said, like, it was almost aspirational. I didn't need to like kill off who I was before because that had never been me. It was just like, I don't want to be that person anymore. So I'm going to try this new name on for size. And my family understands that, but it's also really, really challenging for them to process it because they knew me as that person for 18 years. I'll confess that I was happy to get this comment from Lalo because it kind of felt like that episode dropped and we didn't get a lot of feedback from it. And it actually was one of our least downloaded episodes from that quarter. Yeah, which isn't too surprising because it is a smaller film. It's a Canadian film. Mm-hmm. And I I know we were taking a bit of a risk programming it because we had tried to find a female guest and it was just really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually quite happy with the way that that part in particular came out. If only because I do feel like some of our more powerful episodes have featured us revealing something of ourselves and that's not something that i freely divulge to a lot of people Mm. so it was uncomfortable for me to be like i'm gonna put this out and then people can just listen to it forever and it's not a shameful thing but it's something that i don't think people often address which is just how important naming can be i think though that that i mean i mean this is i mean i read this entire episode thing is us tuning our own horns but 
I think yeah. that's <laughs> what makes it easy for listeners to connect when you when you bury your soul like that. I mean, even Lalo says at the end of this comment, they did something similar, basically. And they said that listening to your story made them feel like we all have some sort of connection in the LGBTQIA community, regardless of our background. And it is true. And that's why, like, even if it's something super embarrassing and granted, I still have secrets, but like I, I like, both of us have bared our souls in this podcast and sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's sad. And I feel like while it's definitely a risk to tell a story like that because you don't know what the reaction is going to be based on like how our listeners have been and how they've interacted with us it's um i feel comfortable and so on that note i actually want to do thank all you listeners for making joe and i feel comfortable enough to share stories like that because if you weren't as open and responsive as you are we wouldn't like we might not be able to do those things yeah, yeah, we would definitely be far more hesitant to give so much of ourselves. And honestly, a lot of you have given of yourselves in the comments and the feedback and even like reviews of the shows mm -hmm. when people talk about how they connect to the show. It's often very confessional and candid. And I really think that that is something that is unique to the LGBTQ community, but also something that I'm really happy that our podcast can contribute to. All right, Joe, who's next? All right, so we have a comment from a former guest on the show, Trace, and that is our friend Jenny Nolf, who has guested on two fantastic episodes and two of our lowest rated. So I'm just going to give a shout out once again to Fatal Frame and The Handmaiden. Excellent episodes. Jenny is a fantastic guest. For the love of God, go listen to them. But Jenny does give you kudos, Trace. She says that your write-up of that complete Japanese-Korean history to prepare for the episode, and you even cut that down in the actual <laughs> recording. I think it's a solid maybe 20 to 25 minutes of history that you just went all in on. It was very impressive. So, listeners, if you haven't listened to the Handmaiden episode, yeah, I go basically go through, because the movie takes place, I want to say, in like the late 30s, and... I didn't know anything about that time period. And granted, we had Jenny on because she's really, really, really knowledgeable in Asian culture. And it's great. Jenny, mm -hmm. we promise we'll have you on a non-Asian film in the future. <laughs> but, it, yeah. But I was like, I don't know fuck all about this. And so <laughs> I, like, took to Wikipedia to, like, Google, like, Japanese-Korean relations history from, like, the 1850s until 1940. Mm -hmm. And I had prepared, like, an entire, like, borderline PowerPoint presentation to give during that episode. <laughs> little bit we had to pull you back from the brink no. <laughs> when i come in with I, we logged into the recording and i was like okay so i have like 10 pages of notes and they're like trace you can't say all that <laughs> no that's like its own mini sode of just background to listen to before you watch the film it is but i will echo joe's sentiment though please go listen to fatal frame which again is an adaptation of the video game and the handmaiden episodes because jenny's a really good guest she's super knowledgeable and she's a hoot to talk to so speaking of Fatal Frame, we actually got a comment from Tiffany about that episode, which, as we mentioned, a little bit low on the episode downloads. So. To be fair, I don't think Fatal Frame actually has a release in the States. Yeah, we made people watch it on YouTube. Yeah, so sorry, y'all, for that. But it is on YouTube still. I checked. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So Tiffany says that they had scanned the episode and thought, okay, sure, they've reviewed this and that. 
But the one that jumped out was Fatal Frame, because Tiffany has been a low-key fan of horror since childhood, but the teenage years is when they doubled down discovering interactive horror storytelling through survival horror video games. This is very much your area of expertise. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, that was another episode too where I did, because I'd never played a Fatal Frame game before, and so, but I, I have experience with Resident Evil and a little bit of Silent Hill, and so I was like, well, I want to like... So I, did, again, did a huge deep dive into Fatal Frame and like what those games were and the stories... None of it was relevant to the movie, but <laughs> yeah, that is one of the issues people have with it. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's fun, right? Like that's the kind of stuff where you can complement a screening of a film to get a better sense of what it's all about. Any case, so Tiffany continues to say, we clued them in that they had missed the existence of this film, which boggled their mind. So they ended up watching the movie, they came back to listen to the episode, and they appreciated that we approached the plot, but what made them want to keep checking out the show? So this was like the first episode that Tiffany listened to. Which was an earlier episode. I mean, I want to say it was April of 2019, maybe around there. I I can't recall. Time means nothing to me anymore. But uh, Tiffany says that the discussion of intersectional concerns related to Japanese gender norms, female relationships, and queerness and homophobia is what ended up hooking them in. And I I love that people can grab onto some of these little kernels and nuggets in some of these lesser known episodes. And that is one of the reasons why I would always encourage people to listen to the episodes, even if it's a smaller film. Like we do deliberately try to program some of these because a lot of these films have those moments that make them fascinating to talk about. And we want to talk about them with other people. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I do understand that. I mean, like, you know, we're a weekly horror podcast. We're watching a movie a week. And if you're on the Patreon, more than a movie a week. I understand that, like, it's it's hard to keep up with, especially if you don't own the films or you haven't seen them already or you got to rent them. Like, it's, it's also a financial investment. <laughs> we understand that. <laughs> yes, indeed. But, um, which, by the way, patrons, thank you because you help contribute to us being able to uh, seek these films out. This is true. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I would 100% agree, and that's why, because I, listening to some earlier episodes, I was like, oh, wow, we didn't really do a crazy plot summary early on. I had forgotten about that. Like, you went through, like, a really quick paragraph of a plot summary, and then we just talked about the film. It wasn't really until, like, past the halfway point of 2019 that we started doing, like, actual, like, really in-depth plot summaries. And I think that may be why that we have gotten some more listeners because if they haven't seen the film they can listen to it the barrier here is though if they haven't heard of the film or they don't care about the film this is true um but no tiffany thank you so much and yeah i mean that that fatal frame episode i was really excited to do that i didn't think it was going to do that well with downloads and it did not um so y'all go fix that (laughs) go listen to fatal frame sure All right, so Cameron says he loves the deep dive into the Scream films and that it's now the tradition for our show to have the first episode each year as that. So Scream, our first episode, Scream 2 last year, and then we'll, of course, be doing Scream 3 in the beginning of 2021. Mm-hmm. But a close second, oh God, is <laughs> the X Files. I want to believe when I get really drunk. Um, apparently, it makes for podcast gold. And Cameron, thank you so much. I disagree. But if I'm not posting a clip for that here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can hear echoes of it in that episode. Um, you Literally, it's an it's a hour and 40 minutes, and the entire last 40 minutes is me being belligerently drunk. So please. Oh, there's also some really problematic trans elements in that film. So please, go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that people love Drunk Trace. 
I think if you're only going into it being like, where's Drunk Trace? You're going to actually miss the fact that that episode is super, like, yeah. that actually is a really, really good episode in my mind. I think because your husband, Ari, brings some really great insight, and I've actually loved hosting him on the podcast twice, yeah. because he definitely brings a good flavor, and also, he and I are very similar, I was gonna say to gang up on you. The funny thing is, yeah, you and Ari are very similar, and it, so basically I have to, like, you know... I am the foil to both of y'all. So I am in two relationships, one a romantic and sexual <laughs> one with my husband, and then this biz- essential business partnership slash friendship with you. But it, but it's so it's like I just have these two people <laughs> that are very similar and different from me that I have mm-hmm. to like maintain. <laughs> how did you end up with this? I don't really know, to be honest. It's like a curse or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love both of you, obviously. Otherwise, I would quit. I would get divorced and I would quit. Uh, So listener Joshua, who hails, of course, from the UK, only contributed a single statement as their favorite contribution to the pod. And that was from Psycho 2, one of our very early episodes as well. Just she's still alive. None's a plenty. Well, that Christianity plays a lot bigger factor in Psycho 3. Just a heads up, Joe. Yeah, there's there's none's a plenty. (laughs) Nuns of Plenty, by the way, is the name of the next movie that I'm <laughs> She's still alive. Nuns of Plenty. <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's actually one that, you know, Michael Verratti is our guest on that episode, and he is fantastic. He has since come back on the episode for Tenebrae. Listeners, if you ignored the Psycho 2 episode because you're like, why the fuck do I want to watch Psycho 2? I implore you please watch Psycho 2 because it's actually really, really, really good. Joshua's anecdote about She's Still Alive, Nuns Plenty is um, a reference to Psycho 3, which we had talked about a lot in the Psycho 2 episode. This is true. <laughs> um, oh, but thank you, okay. Joshua. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so ironically enough, one of the texts that I think we have hated the most, mm-hmm. like this was actually never on the plan so listeners who have been with us for a while will know we actually have almost the entire year in advance mapped out and we had never planned to talk about scream resurrection and then when we watched that tv show we got so fucking mad that we decided we had to do an emergency episode on it which is why we're celebrating 100 episodes now as opposed to next week no this is the one and it's i wrote some articles for i wrote one review and one like half review slash hate letter to the show (laughs) Mm-hmm. And got so much flag for it. I was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, we did an emergency episode. It was super fun. But much like that Sage Ride episode, we are really, really bashing into it. But I oh, do yeah. think our criticisms in that episode are valid. Yes, I agree. So uh, listener Rado says that their favorite episode is when we read this TV show to filth. And for context, Ratto themselves say as it deserves <laughs> and then also scream because of course it's scream and that's amazing so mm-hmm. um i i do like that people can appreciate the you know we've talked a little bit about how the scream fandom can be um intense yeah yeah that's a nice way to say fandoms <laughs> in general can be intense but i found that the online scream fandom tends to be very gay mm-hmm and especially when it comes to the TV show, very youthful. Right. And this is no shade against the teens of 2020. But oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of heart and passion, and sometimes that intensity can become a little frightening. Mm-hmm. So, so Rado says that, particularly with the scream and our appreciation of Gail Weathers and how we want to be her and we identify, it really connected with them. And then also, I, I love that Rado is basically outing themselves as a lover of bitches as well, because they also talk about changing our, their perception of Jennifer's body and also Black Christmas. <laughs> But wait, you're leaving this out. Jennifer's body for the better. So that means Rado didn't like Jennifer's body and then we made them like it. Right. But then Black Christmas was for the worse. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I do feel bad. There's been a couple of people who have said, I liked a movie and then I listened to your episode and now I can't think of it the same way. But, I but, don't think it's always for the positive. The funny thing to me is though, I came out of the Black Christmas episode liking that movie more. Like I did too. I it, appreciated how much of a, a crazy film that is. No, it's, it's not a good movie and all the criticisms no. we said, like I remember doing that episode, it was super fun. And we just laughed a lot because it was like, mm-hmm. this movie is garbage, but like it swings for the fences. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so everyone on the Facebook group who replied to this, thank you so, so, so much. I did want to go through a bit because, you know, I had mentioned like I was going through some of our the emails we received over the past two years. And I don't want to say I took for granted some of the stories that listeners gave us, but rereading them all in like bulk it yeah. was really emotional. It can hit you in the feels. Well, because, Joe, when we when we set up to this podcast, we, we wanted to make a safe haven for queer horror fans. And getting emails and messages like the following, it really, really hit home. Like, re- reading all of these in, like, succession, I, I teared up so much. Like, I, I, I got really emotional reading some of these. So, um, actually, take the first one, because I'm already getting emotional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the first one is from listener Barbara, who says, hey, first, your podcast is awesome. Thank you, Barbara. Second, I just came out at 43, and your podcast is one of the first things I found. It's really awesome to listen to you guys and your guests. It sounds really silly, but it's really weird. Coming out so late and listening to all of you makes me feel less alone out here. My eldest is non-binary and transitioning, but they are off living their life. Darn it, if I did my job well, and they are confident and happy. Barbara, that's amazing. And once in a while, I get a bonus and find an episode we can share, even though they dislike really scary horror. Thanks for throwing me a lifeline in the uncertain time of Rona. Miss Rona. Miss Rona. That's a more recent one, and I have to say that reading that, it's, um... You know, I feel like we all, we not we, like, um, not you and me, but like just as a community, we we tend to forget... Mm-hmm. how some people don't get to come out in their teens oh. or in their 20s. Yeah. Yep. We and take it, for granted the fact that some of us were privileged enough to be able to do that, like to come out at 43. Yep. My God, Barbara. Hi, welcome. So excited to have you here <laughs> and fucking good on you. It's, it's, honestly, I'm even honored that someone that like would like, that found us like that she found us i mean that's mm-hmm. um it's it's i i don't know what her life is like i don't know that their child um which by the way though cool story very cool but it just feels really good to like know that like i don't know we make someone's life a little bit better or easier or make them feel not alone you know mm-hmm. absolutely and actually that echoes Jules' sentiment. So Jules wrote in and said, really appreciate your work. I love horror and queer content. As a late bloomer lesbian in a city with limited queer communities, your podcast makes me feel a little bit less alone. Thank you so much. I think that to me is because when we started this, Joe, 
that is the one thing that we both said we wanted to do. We wanted to make people feel less alone. Like, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal. Oh, my God. That was our goal. <laughs> and getting that, I feel validated getting something like that. I mean, if nothing else, I think much like with Barbara's where we take things for granted at coming out at a certain age, I think we also sometimes take for granted the fact that not everybody lives in a space where it's safe to be queer or that they have a community that they can fall back on. And I don't want to speculate and say that it's just people living in middle America or small towns, but you know, for anybody who doesn't have that kind of connection, that's what a podcast can do. That's why I love the power of this medium. I 100% agree. And, you know, we can see like the the, the demographics of like where people are listening from. And it, it is stronger in major metropolitan areas like LA, New York, even Austin, Texas, um, where I live, which maybe it's all my friends. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so popular but there but no there is a noticeable like dip in like the bible belt in the midwest in the united states and but we do have listeners there and mm-hmm. they have some of them have reached out to us and it's been really refreshing to see like just to see that we make a difference sometimes and that people like like our content and like like what we're doing right so taylor comes in with you guys are part of my weekly routine and i would feel so lost without the show Even if I don't know the movie, your enthusiasm or disdain for what you're talking about always makes for a great listen. Sometimes episodes have been the highlight of my week. And I think we've been getting a lot more of these types of responses since the whole pandemic kind of came into play. Yeah. And I do find that interesting because I don't know about you, Joe, but personally for me, like my podcast listening has like decreased significantly since COVID because I don't have a commute anymore. Yeah, it the same applies to me, but it has also helped me to understand which podcasts I like the most because those are the ones where if a new episode drops, I immediately want to listen to it. And I think there is something special about people saying you know what, even if it's a Tuesday and it sucks, I know that I'm going to have this podcast. So I love that we can be part of people's Wednesdays and maybe Fridays if they're listening to micro quiz. <laughs> well, some people listen to our Wednesday episodes on Fridays, so that makes sense. This is true. <laughs> yes, and our Patreon episodes on Mondays. So Gillen says, first of all, I wanted to send you guys a message because I really appreciate what you do and I love listening to you talk about horror and queer theories. I had no idea there was a community of queer people who actually like horror. So when I found out about you two a year ago, I was really happy. Yeah. That yeah. that that hits home, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, I had no idea there was a community of queer people who actually like horror. And, you know, I used to be like, well, that's silly. I mean, not, not now, but like when people told me that in the past, I was like, well, that's silly. Like, gay people love horror. But I can confirm... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that after like even like in my city of austin like talking to people like there are a lot of gays who don't like horror or movies period which is really frustrating <laughs> yeah, yeah they just want the dick it's fine um okay. <laughs> but that's also another thing too you know where it's like i mean obviously you know we have shutter's queer horror documentary coming out sometime sometime in the future i don't know but it is it is a a niche cult that hopefully will get bigger and become just a cult and then it will get bigger and just become an actual community <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, I, that's another thing too, where it's like you know we can bring and also for the Facebook group, I'm glad that we can bring people together. So like seeing mm-hmm. them interact, seeing people from Michigan message someone on Facebook from North Dakota, 
which has happened before, and be like, oh my god, hey, like we're interacting because we're both queer horror fans. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, so Leah says that they just started watching or rather listening. And that they love the podcast so much and they used to hate horror films. But ever since listening to us banter and talk about certain movies, they've been trying to give more horror films a chance. So they've watched Scream and Dead Ringers. That is a bit of whiplash there. <laughs> yeah, that says that, that. Those are early episodes, too. Yeah, but they love them both, and they just want to say that they love the podcast a lot, and that they love what we do, and it's a lot of fun to listen to us, and whenever they're bored, they'll give the podcast a listen. That's Thank lovely. you, Leah. Yeah, that's great, Leah. Matt chimes in with, I genuinely appreciate you using the platform you have to also speak to those who need to hear it the most. I know that speaking into a microphone might feel like you were speaking into a void sometimes, but people hear what you say and it affects them. I wanted to tell you that what you say matters... Hearing those things can be a lifeline for many who need one. I think that's the one that sent me over the edge when I was putting these together. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's... Uh, and feel free to cut this part out, but... Sometimes that makes me think that people are actually giving us too much credit. I don't know. Like, I... I think that's one of the reasons why... I love to highlight the queer elements in horror films because it establishes to people that we are there, that we are in these movies, that we have always existed. And even if some people always want to talk about how there is no queer content in this movie or that movie, I'm like, no, but there is. And it's important that people get to see that or in our, this case, hear us talk about it and have that outlet because it's a reminder that we are all here and we all fucking matter. I'm not going to cut that out because I don't, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think it comes from like an imposter syndrome, you know, like we're just two guys that are like, that right for a, a popular horror website. Mm -hmm. And we have a, we started a podcast and we are fortunate enough to have that website, Bloody Disgusting, be a platform for our podcast. And it's great. We're privileged in that way. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that our intentions are less good <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and and getting something like this i mean again like i mean i i literally teared up reading this the first time and the second time and it's again it feels validating like i don't know everyone's queer just because i'm queer doesn't mean i know everyone's queer experiences and to, right. to limit that down just because i'm a gay man doesn't mean i know everyone's every gay male's experience yeah but i always <sighs> The reason I'm so open, especially if things that are embarrassing about me, and I know you're the same way, Joe, is because I want to, like, normalize it to talk yeah. about these things. Like, I, And granted, like I said, there are a couple of things that I haven't talked about yet that I maybe or maybe not will at some point in the future, just depending on how I feel. Sure. But when I've gotten, like, really... Confessional? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I've gotten really confessional, it's always... It's never been with, like, a like an ulterior motive of, like, oh, this will make me look good. <laughs> it's always i mean i'm glad hopefully it has i mean obviously that's always like what you hope but it's always been from like this is who i am and like you know I, both of us are unabashedly ourselves we are who we are we don't pretend to be someone we're not and for me i know that's always for better or for worse like I, I can come across really fucking asshole-ish narcissistic selfish whatever but i also am an honest person like i don't butch uh, bitch i don't butch i don't I don't fuck around with who I am. And I try right. to put that in, in in the episodes. And if me exposing myself like that is... And, and you too, Joe, can make someone feel like Matt does. That's... I mean, I get what you're saying when you're like, I feel like maybe they're giving us too much credit. But it's also like very humbling. It is. And 
I mean, if nothing else, I think that there's power in truth. And I like the idea that someone can be somebody else's lifeline, even if they don't know it. And it's really, it is, it's gratifying and it is humbling to hear this from listeners. I think if nothing else, I would just encourage people, if you have that opportunity to speak up and make your voice heard, then for God's sake, do it because you don't know who needs to hear it or whose life you might be helping. 100%. I could not agree more. So the final message is from Katie, and they say, I could not possibly express my admiration and appreciation for you guys more. It's been a rough few months trying to navigate a pandemic with an immunocompromised kid on top of literally everything else that's happening in the world. But I have been listening to you and Joe nonstop. Oh, Katie's speaking to you, Trace. And Katie says, your new episodes, your old episodes, you two and your guests have been my biggest source of comfort food media and have brightened literally every day since March. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Katie, we're really happy to hear that. I don't... I don't, I feel really weird. Like, like, I, like the Facebook stuff was like one thing. Cause I'm like, Hey, yeah, we can talk about these episodes. Like the, the I almost feel like borderline uncomfortable, like, like reading these aloud and hearing them because n- now, yeah, I'm kind of reaching your thing of like, I feel like we're getting overcredited. <laughs> well, it, I think in this case, Katie is raising a good point, which is that sometimes it's nice to have something that you can seek solace in. If you are having difficulties with your everyday life, then sometimes something like a dumb, silly podcast where we talk about come and you get too drunk can be a nice source of pleasure. And it's important to seek out those things that make you feel happy, particularly during a pandemic. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, well, I mean, nevertheless, that all of you, everyone we've mentioned on this, thank you so much for all your kind words. Um, we're happy that we're able to like make your days easier. You all make our days easier. I promise you mm-hmm. that. It's been wonderful. That being said, there are people who have <laughs> dissenting <laughs> opinions. I like the transition. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we always ask for reviews at the end of episodes, and especially on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, we've got about 300-ish reviews, which is really, really good. We love more. So, by all means, if you want to go leave us more, please go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are good. Not all of them are good, Joe. <laughs> this so I is think true. I think it's time to face the music and see what people don't like about us. Okay, okay. I will. So... Ki- well, I'll kick us off with a short one because I've been okay. talking a lot, so you can go, you know the long one next. Okay. Our first, and I'm not going to name names or usernames because it's just cunty at that point. Oops, sorry, cunt. Um, <laughs> our first review comes from nobody, and it is titled "Why Just Why," and. The subject of the review reads, why? One star. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. I think this person is having some kind of existential crisis, and they just don't know what they're doing or where they are, and they somehow gravitated to this Apple Podcast (laughs) review section, (laughs) and they are pouring their existential dread into the universe. I I don't think that person actually listened to an episode. I think that they just saw horror queers, and they were like, no! bibles it's true i mean one of the things that we debated for a long time was do we want to call ourselves horror queers because we will automatically turn people off a certain percentage of people will never listen to this podcast as a result of that right so uh another esteemed colleague of ours has written to say it's fine and this review says i was really excited at the concept of this podcast but the execution isn't great 
I listened to three episodes to make sure I was giving it a fair shake. Well, you know what? Okay. That's fair. That's kind of fair. Good for you. Yeah. So this person listened to The Descent, The Craft, and What Lies Beneath. But much like these guys say about The Craft, this podcast just isn't for me. The only time there's diversity in this podcast is when they bring on a guest. Otherwise, it's just two white guys sharing their every thought. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just fine. I wish that they'd get a third co-host or something to actually offer a unique perspective on things, because when it's just the two of them, it just ends up sounding like two dudes congratulating themselves for having thoughts on public domain. One star. Um, A, the irony is that we are reading that in an episode where we are congratulating ourselves. Indeed. B, my own... I I think that this is a valid criticism. You know, we are two white guys talking about things. We... And yes, we have diversity in our guests. I don't really agree with the only time we offer a unique perspective is when we have a guest. Mm -hmm. My only issue with this whole thing is that it's fine. Like for me, it's fine is like a middle. Like it's a C. It's a two and a half out of five. And this oh, so you want like a two and a half or a three star out of this review? Even a two, but they gave us (laughs) one star for being the the equivalent of a meh. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, look. We we are aware of this. Like we, Joe and I know we're two white guys, two, two cisgender white guys hosting this podcast, and we do try to bring in diversity. I'm really sorry that this person that we did not work for you. You're clearly not going to listen to this, but I wish you luck finding another podcast that does suit your needs. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we've never hidden the fact that we are two white dudes, and yeah, I mean, the diversity that we offer is that we are queer, but also if you look at any of the podcasts that we list every June and every December, a lot of the queer horror podcasts are dominated by white perspectives, and a lot of them are from white cis gay men. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I mean, we are still contributing things that are valuable, That's actually one of the reasons why you and I decided that we wanted to make an effort to bring on guests. And the reality is, is that it's, it's just an extra layer of complications to invite people on. So we don't want to have a guest on all the time. We try to bring them on when it's appropriate. You know what? We we can only do the best with what we are working with. And trust that we acknowledge that. Yeah, it is a thing that we, we are continually aware of. And that's why we try to have guests. Yeah, for sure. But nevertheless, I hope this person did find a podcast that suits their needs. That's mm-hmm. great. I wish you would have given us two stars. Um, <laughs> so, of course, reviews are not exclusive to podcatchers. We also frequently got comments on the editorial series when we were still writing those. And we did pick out a few choice gems to share with you folks. And these are all fucking public domain. So uh, speaking of means. public domain... <laughs> So one of our favorites is on the Batman Returns editorial that we published for Christmas of 2019. And one of the comments we got was, I don't get this whole series. I mean, I'm gay and I don't get it. Why is it necessary to shove a movie through a gay filter? It can't be intended to be the final say on a whole group of people's opinions of this film. Just yours, which doesn't match mine in any way. Sorry, I'm reading this with a lot. No, of please do it. Please keep reading it like that. <laughs> I found myself just shaking my head reading the above post. Ah, well, as I'm over 50, I'm probably not in the correct demograph. That's just what I tell myself about most everything lately. Movies, TV, music, all of it. And then this person got a reply, which I will now read to you. Okay. 
My husband is 50 and I am 40. I saw this movie in junior high. This is my favorite Batman movie. The cast is perfection. I don't need to see movies through a queer lens. I hate that word. I know what its intended use is in this series, but sometimes movies are just sheer entertainment. No subtext. But we take away what we want from it. I find nothing remotely gay or queer about Batman Returns. I guess we can find a queer aspect in The Exorcist. Reagan represents Father Karras' battle with his homosexuality. The exorcism allows him to release his desires, but ultimately sacrifices himself to save another. Father Dyer was obviously another big queer. Actually, that's not a bad reading of The Exorcist. It's not a bad reading, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really perplexed by the I'm gay, but blank. statements what i've found over the past couple years has been that i don't take the critiques from non-queer seriously oh okay i mean they are critiques and if they are a valid critique i will give them the light of day but like you know the past review over why just why blah 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 like that that that's just a fucking like troll that's just coming after us because we're doing queer readings right i actually find that i do take the critiques from queer listeners or and or readers the harshest Okay. Because I feel like they at least have a, a more of a stake in the matter. Mm. But when it's like, well, I'm gay, it, it it almost reeks of internalized homophobia. Maybe this is a generalization, I don't know. But it's like, they're trying to like make the straight people like them by saying, well, I'm gay, and I agree with you. Because nothing ha- not everything has to have a queer reading. And it almost seems like they're trying to like rationalize it and make, make them... Make themselves be seen in a more positive light by non-queer people yeah i mean we did actually touch a little bit on this in this week's episode the 100th episode on cruising where we talked about one of the reasons people were so afraid of that movie like queer activists were the ones protesting that production because they wanted to be normalized they wanted to be accepted by the larger heterosexual society so they didn't want deviancy associated with queer lifestyles and I think what you're suggesting is people saying, well, but if we start to force these queer readings on things, then people aren't going to look at them the same way. They're going to feel like we're forcing it. You know, I think this person even says, like, it's being shoved through a gay filter. And if only I had such a filter. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think my issue is this idea that there's ever one single reading it really gets my back up when people are like, well, you can't read that film this way because, and I'm like, I a hundred percent can. And I'm going to tell you why. And we've been very explicit with certain films saying there's not really a lot of queer content here, or there's no queer content or it's campy. And that's the queer content, but it's not really explicit. There's no gay characters, gay actors, gay writers or directors or, or that kind of stuff. I feel like we tried to do a good job of, identifying when and where it happens so i i just feel like how can you read the article and be like oh well, you're shoving it through this it's like you could say oh i don't agree with this or i've never looked at it that way but to say oh no you're doing something wrong by putting a queer lens on things i'm like but that's that's how you read films and we will continue to get more responses like this as in our scream article which we wrote before we even did our episode on it This person says, I'm gay, and this article makes me want to slit my eyelids. There is a lack of acknowledgement that men can be chummy without sexual connotations. It comes down to how masculinity is perceived and how heterosexual men aren't allowed to be quote-unquote affectionate or quote-unquote emotional without it meaning that they're gay. The stabbing being their first fuck? 
wow, this is beyond a reach. I need to turn in my gay card. Or, I guess, queer. <laughs> yeah, people have always taken issue with our use of the word queer, and that is a generational divide. And again, we touch on that in cruising. Totally understand that. I, oh man, when people say it's a reach, I, that's, I hate like, it. I hate it. I hate if it, there are certain it. things that you want to do to get <laughs> me mad, it's like, don't, like, tell me not to use a certain word or tell me that my reading is a reach. Look, you immediately will start to get very terse response from me. My mentality of the matter is so. I'm okay with a filmmaker saying, this is my intention. Totally fine. Sure. The, the fact of the matter is, once art leaves the creator and goes into the consumer, it loses. Mm -hmm. Any artist's intention is gone. Yeah. You can still acknowledge it oh, and 100%. say, like, if that's one of the ways that this was created. But if I don't agree with that, I'm still entitled to that opinion. The fact of the matter is, and you can debate it, you can discuss it, but there is no wrong reading of a film. If I am watching Halloween and I say that Michael Myers represents Nazism, um, sure. Sure. Like, that's a reading that I get from it, whatever. I can't tell someone that that's wrong because mm -hmm. they are bringing in your own, their own personal experiences into whatever film they're watching and pulling out of it, like, readings based on that. So you're, you're, it's yourself and it's the film itself. So if someone wants to say that a movie that we're covering that we're saying is queer isn't queer, that's also okay. But sure. this kind of reaction of like, oh, I want to slit my eyelids reading this, that that's that's not really the point. <laughs> and that's never <laughs> what we've tried to like promote in any of our articles or episodes. Well, and honestly, I mean, I I love the internet for its hyperbolic reactions. So, you know, hey, girl, if you need to go and slit your eyelids over an article that you read referencing Scream as a queer film, you know, you do you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, Joe, <laughs> I'm drunk. Yeah, I mean, I... Maybe we should have done the feel-good ones after the mean tweets, but that's okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's... I don't know, man. Like, I... It's, it's been a wild ride, and it's obviously over after this. Yes, this is the end of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed a goodbye. <laughs> um, listeners, I don't know. I mean, like, it's... um What I want to just reiterate to y'all, what we wanted to do with this episode was just thank you. Y'all have been wonderful. And it's been really nice to talk to you, to interact with you, to share experiences with you, and to hopefully touch you, metaphorically, in mm. some ways. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> it's been a really nice experience to be on this journey with y'all. Yes. I, I, I didn't write it. I should have written a speech. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've covered it in small bits and drabs throughout the last hour and a half or so. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'll echo every sentiment. This has been a blast. I have so loved doing this podcast with you, Trace. But really, it's hearing from people. It's getting to interact with folks. You know, we've talked a lot about how we love to hear your theories, your responses to these films. We love it when you folks write in and tell us that you want us desperately to cover some film. Like, this isn't just something that we do because we enjoy doing it. It's something that we enjoy doing because we get to do it with you. And that sounds like so saccharine and so syrupy, but it's honestly the truth. Like we don't do this if people don't listen because like as much as we get stuff out of it, it's more exciting to do it with other people. 100%. It's been just very nice. It's It's been a wonderful experience for both of us. And I'm speaking for Joe on this, but it's just like, it's been really, 
nice to get to meet you guys, interact with you guys. If you have, if you're listening to this and you haven't interacted with us, please, by all means, like send us something, like reach out. We love talking to you guys, and it's really, really, really nice to connect with other queer horror fans, or, or for that matter, non-queer horror fans. I mean, I know you gave them a shout at the beginning, Joe, but like, also for all you non-queer listeners, like, thank you, thank you for giving this the time of day. <laughs> Yeah, and for helping to spread the word and talking about your experiences, like, it's it's all meaningful and rich stuff. But again, all we can really say is thank you all. Thank you all for helping us get to 100 episodes. Here's to another 100, and maybe we'll do another one of these at episode 200. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Because we're not, we're not going to do the typical speed dating anymore, in part yeah. because we've just sort of done it. But You already because... know us. You, you know about my cum fetish. Jesus Christ. Alright, that's a good spot to end <laughs> on. <laughs> anyway, so thank you all once again. We love you. You're wonderful. And on that note, we can cross out our 100th episode extravaganza. Yes, and cross out horror quiz. <laughs> You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more. <laughs>